otherwise on SAFM. Thanks so much, Carmen Reddy, and uh, thanks so much to you for listening to us. We have a slightly extended uh, version of Otherwise today, so can we all take the opportunity to wish you a very, very free, blessed, and happy Human Rights Day with all your own personal rights recognised. The team today is uh, Cassie Lowers, he's all my cousini, and I'm Nancy Richards. Lovely to have you with us. So what we're going to do with our first hour, which we are going to dedicate to human rights as they relate to women, we're going to be talking first to the Women's Legal Centre in Cape Town to find out what their message is for both men and women on this very significant day. We're going to be talking to the Programme Manager at the Foundation for Human Rights, whose specific focus is on women's rights, to find out what it is that they do to try and promote the women's rights right across the country. And uh, then in terms of rights for the victims of sexual offences, offences, interesting to hear about uh, the Department of Justice saying that 392 life sentences have been handed out for such offences. Uh, I'm assuming that those were for sexual offences. But in terms of sexual offences, we're going to be talking to... Um, going to be talking to Natasha Kuhn. She is the female legal advisor at Legal and Tax. She's going to be telling us a little bit about the return of the sexual offences courts. That's uh, estimated to be happening around about September. And then after one o'clock, our usual time, we're going to be hearing the full story of one woman's conversion to Islam. You might remember we spoke to Karen Tahira Jays earlier this week. Well, we're going to be hearing the first part of her story once again, as well as the second part, which brings her right back to where she is today. Interesting story. And finally, while the inhabitants of District 6 are little by little getting their rights back to the land from which they were evicted 50-odd years ago, but here in Cape Town, the District 6 Museum and Homecoming Centre has expanded beyond the issue of land restitution into working with people in all sorts of areas. It's a really fertile ground for working with people, their stories and their rights with women in particular. We're going to be talking to Director of the Museum, she's Bonita Bennett. So that's what we've got lined up. Hope you're going to be able to stay with us right through in 2 o'clock and uh, beyond because there's lots to listen to right here on SAFM. Well, a little bit of what's news. Well, today, uh, Human Rights Day, and I'm sorry I didn't mention this yesterday, but uh, you can make a note of it for next year. Yesterday was the United Nations Day of Happiness. Well, you might remember I mentioned it before. Um, it's an initiative come that came from Bhutan, a country whose citizens are said to be amongst the happiest in the world. Isn't that nice? And they have called for a gross national happiness index, as in the GNP, the gross national product uh, index. And uh, the information on this came to us via United Nations Women, that's UN Women. And the United Nations Secretary General himself, Ban Ki-moon, says, when we contribute to the common good, we ourselves are enriched. Isn't that a nice thought? So make a note in your diary for next year, March 20th, a day of happiness. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, our very own, calls today as being a day for which we all need to be taking stock of how, as a nation, we're promoting human rights, and also as individuals, what is each and every one of us doing? just like to quote you this little bit from a piece in uh, today's Cape Times. He says, One clear lesson I learned through my experiences with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is that people are three-dimensional. What I mean by that is that every person has their own struggles, each person is facing their own hardships, and I've also learned that each person has an inherent humanity and dignity worth fighting for, worth championing, worth defending. And sometimes people don't have the strength or the means to fight this fight on their own. Sometimes it is our responsibility to do what we can. So if there's somebody who you feel could do with your help, don't be pushy, but just try and help somebody who perhaps could do with it. 
Well, I'm not sure what any of us as individuals can do about this particular gross violation of human rights, but you can sign a petition, yet another petition, but possibly well worth signing, which calls for uh, telling world leaders to end the female gendercide in India and be a voice for the 50 million girls who've gone missing in India over the past three generations due to female feticide, infanticide and dowry murders. It's... We have problems here in South Africa, but my goodness me, do they have problems there in India. If you'd like to know a little bit more, you can sign the petition demanding that the Indian government end this silent gendercide. Google causesmail.com, causesmail for information. Otherwise, Google tell world leaders to end the female gendercide in India, something to look out for. And on the health front, well, I guess we all have a right to eat or not to eat what we like or don't like. And Marmite is one of those love-it-hated products. In fact, in the UK, they have an ad campaign that says something to the effect, it's a bit like Marmite, you love it, love it, or you don't. Well, in New Zealand, following the earthquake in Christchurch back in 2011, there was a national shortage of Marmite when the only factory producing it was damaged and had closed down. In fact, the locals called the situation Marmageddon. The factory was supposed to have reopened earlier this year, but it's just back in production now. But uh, during the Marma drought, jars were actually selling for 80 New Zealand dollars, which is around about 600 rand. <laughs> I'm not sure if you think it's worth it. If you're really hooked on Marmite, I guess you could possibly think it's worth it. Not sure if it's worth uh, paying for, but certainly worth waiting for in as much as it's extremely healthy. As well as yeast extract, Marmite contains vegetable extract, salt, niacin, thiamine, spice extracts, folic acid, riboflavin, celery extract, and lots of vitamin B12. It contains 9 calories in a 4-gram serving. It's very low in sugar, low in calories, contains no saturated fat, and it's completely vegetarian. So if you don't like it, maybe you should just try and see if you wouldn't like to give it one more try. There you go. That's my, uh, my punt for Marmite right now. Just last year here on Otherwise. On the green front, coming up tonight, a reminder, on the Enviro Show, going to be talking about Earth Hour, which is coming up this Saturday, I think between 8 and 9, if I'm not mistaken. We'll also be talking to the CEO of the Water Research Commission, that's with World Water Day happening tomorrow. And we'll get some feedback on the effects of the gold dust, on the very negative effects of the gold dust, as we heard last week, on the community living around the mine that's being reworked and be hearing from the gold mining company. We'll also be talking to a young man, kind of crazy soul, who plans to spend five months swimming the length of the Orange River to test its pollution levels, while we hope that he comes out alive. And that's, amongst other things, that's the Enviro Show tonight, right here on SAFM. But right now, you're listening to Otherwise. If you are the one with hope for tomorrow, with an appetite for change, with passion for your country, join us in our drive to transform our society and nation, the new age, for a new perspective, for a positive outlook, for a united South Africa. The new age, one country, one paper. Get your copy for only three rand fifty. Africa's grandest gathering, five stages, two nights, over 40 international and African acts. All happening at the 14th Cape Town International Jazz Festival on the 5th and 6th of April. Jill Scott, Robert Glasper, Tandiswa Maswai, Brand New Heavies, Jimmy Glulu, Jack Dejone Trio and more. For all the details, visit www.capetownjazzfest.com. This ESP Africa production is brought to you by the Department of Arts and Culture and the official broadcaster, the SABC. 
Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Otherwise it is, and if you're looking at your watch thinking, what otherwise, at this time of day, well, we do have ourselves a bonus hour, which is very nice, which we're dedicating to human rights as they relate to women's rights. And in a minute, we're going to be hearing from Lucretia Seafield at the Foundation for Human Rights, whose specific focus is, in fact, on women's rights. We're also going to be talking to Natasha Kuhn from Legal and Tax about the reopening of the Sexual Offences Courts later on this year and the likely impact that they may have on the high number of crimes uh, in that area committed in this country. But first, working with women across the country on a daily basis is the Women's Legal Centre, whose message is this. Nineteen years into our democracy, a large number of women in South Africa still find themselves victims of sexual and domestic violence. Women are not always free to exercise their reproductive rights. For many, access to land and shelter is but a dream, and access to health is not always guaranteed. The Women's Legal Center is trying to change that by using human rights to challenge prejudice laws and improve women's circumstances. This Human Rights Day, we'd like to encourage women to know and assert their human rights and to make use of human rights organizations and the courts. The Women's Legal Center is a non-profit organization that provides free legal advice to all women. For more information, visit www.wlce.co.za. The Women's Legal Center, helping women most in need. Well, there you go, and that indeed is the Women's Legal Centre message. But we'd like to expand a little bit on that message. It sounds wonderful, particularly the fact that it's free legal advice. But I guess one of the issues about women's rights is that so often a woman doesn't know what her rights is or are. So what else have the Women's Legal Centre got to say to women, and perhaps men, on this very auspicious human rights day? And we have on the line Stacey Lee Mannock. She's an attorney with the WLC. Hi, Stacey Lee. Good afternoon to you, Nancy, and to your listeners. Nice to have you with us, and happy Human Rights Day. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Well, we feel it's pretty important because, as I said there, I think, you know, there are an awful lot of women who have no idea what their rights are. So just expanding on that nice little clip of yours there, what is it that you're trying to say to women on this day? Our message to women and girl children on this day is that you have fundamental constitutional human rights. And just to name a few, you have the right to be free from gender-based violence, the right to education, the right to own and share in property, the right to have equal opportunities in the workplace, and you have the right to access health care services. We urge all women and girl children to exercise their human rights and approach the courts and other NGOs for assistance in doing so. That's quite a long list that you rattled yes. through very quickly. Yes. Let's start at the beginning. So a woman has the right to be free of gender-based violence. Yes. Does she know that? And how does she know that? And how does she know what qualifies as gender-based violence? So basically, gender-based violence is any sort of violence that um, is perpetrated against women on the basis that she is, in fact, a woman. So, for example, domestic violence, is a big issue in South Africa at the moment, and while it has been for a long time, and, so, and women in South Africa can approach the domestic violence courts for um, interim, interim and final interdict. So that's so. If she even thinks that um, she's being that her, you know she's got some sort of violence uh, directed towards her, what is her first move? I think our first move is to acknowledge that this is happening and then to either approach 
uh, an organization or a, or a social worker for for assistance. Um, for example, uh, with domestic violence court, it is free, so people can approach the court directly. Often people prefer to have assistance in filling out the application and in um, going through the process. But we are able to assist as well as other organizations like the Legal Aid Board, etc. When she, uh, you, what, what sort of barriers is she likely to find a- along the way? It, it sounds so simple when you say it, but I mean, yeah. first she's got to find a social worker. Maybe she's go- if she's going to access your website, she's got to find a computer. You know, there are a lot of things in her way. And if she goes to the police station, are they going to help her too? Then, uh, the police stations are, police officers are mandated to assist in issues like this. Often we find that the implementation of it is a problem. Mm. So often a woman might approach a police station and then the police officer will say, well, this is a, a family issue, so they're not going to take it further. But technically they are supposed to say you have the right to be free from violence and you have the option to apply for an interview. Alternatively, to lay criminal charges against the perpetrator, have him arrested, and then the criminal process will follow through. One of the things about laying criminal charges is that firstly you can upset the perpetrator even more and make him even angrier, which may bring fear into the equation. Secondly, it it sounds potentially like it's going to be costly. It may be free, but you've still got to get to court. You've still got to undergo, you know, jump through all sorts of hoops that that are going to cost you money, especially if you have to take time off work. That that is true, and uh, that's one of the barriers uh, that women face in accessing or exercising their women's rights. Um, and the human rights. So, I mean, for example, there are organizations that are based, for example, in Kylie Chan. We have a legal advice clinic there. Um, and also we work in partnerships with other organizations. So, it, I mean, it is quite difficult for women to access some services, but we're hoping that, you know, they should, they should be able to access the courts in the area that they live, um, at the police stations where they live, so, yeah, it is, it is quite a tricky situation for women. It's a very tricky situation. Yeah. And it gets trickier the older you get and the more entrenched you become in a partnership where maybe there is some sort of gender-based violence. Going back to the other end of the scale, the sort of the younger woman who's, who uh, may, maybe her mind is more open and more, uh, you know, perhaps she's less fearful, though who knows that that's necessarily the case. You say that one of a women's rights is education. Um, is the school level, is that a good place to start teaching girls what their rights are? Absolutely. I think it's important for it to happen at school, through life class, um, through the life orientation classes. And um, I, I believe that that is happening at the moment in the current curriculum. And a right to education, what is, where does her uh, right to education stop and start? I mean, does it, does it take her from, from, uh, right from the beginning up to matric? Absolutely, and it's the right to access education services. Um, and that when she does access those services, that they are of top quality services. And yes, it's all the way to university degree, I would think, because um, often you find that women may have completed matric, but they're not unable to complete tertiary education um, because of 
finances. Yeah. And in that way, a lot of universi- universities do offer rebates, etc. Yeah, I was going to say, she may have a right to education, but not necessarily to free education all the way up to the top. Because I think for a lot of school kids in particular, they're kind of dependent on their parents yeah. to to um, sort of demand their rights for their children. But if a parent is perhaps not doing that, or we're looking at maybe a single, uh, you know, child-headed household, does that child know where she can get her rights, how to, how to ensure her rights? I would hope so, but I think, again, that the responsibility then lies on the adults mm. um, and also the, the educators in those situations, that they... Uh, that they when they see children are being neglected or that they are perhaps heading households on their own, that they take the necessary steps. A lot of work to be done, isn't there, Stacey Lee? A lot of work to be done in terms of education. In fact, we're going to be talking just in a minute to Lucretia Seafield. She's with the Foundation for Human Rights, and I think that's one of the things that she does. But just lastly, and, and there are many rights that women have uh, rights to, and if you are able to access the website, do check it. It's the Women's Legal Centre. It's wlce.co.za, wlce. Um, the list of your rights is detailed there. But one of the things you talk about is also one has a woman has a right to have equal opportunity in the workplace. That's a very mm-hmm. tricky one. I mean, yeah. if you start going to your boss and saying, but I have a right to have a, an equal opportunity, you're very quickly going to find yourself a very unpopular person. Well, that's true. I mean, generally, we should be working towards an, an environment where women are able to approach their bosses and ask that they that they be afforded the, the same opportunities as others. Again, I think it all depends on the merits of of what's being presented. Yeah, and I and I suppose it really depends on you knowing absolutely the facts. It's no good they're going in there and saying, I want this and it's my right to have this, that and the other. You have to be really, really informed. Yeah. On your behalf, I'm sending everybody to your website. Is it very clear? Is it very clearly laid out on your website what a woman's rights are? We, ha- we have um, in our uh, section, so in our, on our website we have different pages, one on violence against women, um, property rights, health, etc. But people are also free to contact our offices on 021-424-5660 and they can obtain free legal advice that way too. Okay, well I think that's the most valuable thing I can do on this Human Rights Day is give out all those details once again. Lovely, Stacey Lee, enjoy the rest of the day and thanks very much for sharing. Take care, thanks. Stacey Lee Manuk, she is an attorney with the Women's Legal Centre, and there you go, have it. If you'd like to check the site, it's wlce.co.za, and we will put that up on our Facebook page and otherwise on SAFM. If you'd like to give them a call, you can do that too, and I do think that they operate a countrywide, or they're certainly able to help you on the line. 021 021-424-5660, 021-424-5660. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Yes, indeed, a little bit of an extra otherwise we've got for you today on this Human Rights Day. So we're talking in this first hour about women's rights. Uh, And talking of messages on women's legal matters and their rights, uh, Lucretia Seafield, she deals with this sort of thing on a daily basis. She's with the Foundation for Human Rights. She's a program manager, and her specific focus is on women's rights. Got her on the line. Hi, Lucretia. Good day, Nancy, and good day to your listeners. Are you particularly busy on this on this day, or have you, 
are you getting a day off or? No, I'm not. I'm actually at a refugee workshop, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are you doing at the refugee workshop? Um, we are just discussing human rights for refugees in general. I think that's the focus of the day. It's sort of like an education workshop for refugees on their yeah. rights. Yeah. Very specific rights for refugee women, I would imagine. Um, I think, and, and it's human rights day, and we and, and we work from the sort of like the we are on to departures that human rights is human rights. So all human rights that apply to all citizens apply to refugee women. Okay. Yeah. So I was yes, I was going to say to you, human rights, women's rights, is there really a difference? There should not be a there should yeah. not be a difference. Yeah. Um, Perhaps just a different emphasis in some areas. I think there might be areas where there's a, there's a need for a special focus on women's issues, but in general, all human rights apply to everybody. Yeah. There's no distinction on the basis of gender. Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate that 19 years into our democracy, um, this, the our country still remains a paradox for women. In that. Um, if you look at the extent to which women's human rights is protected, um, it is an indication. I think there's great concerns in that area. Mm-hmm. Give us an idea of what those concerns are. Um, I think, Dante, that when we look at um, women in general, we find that in terms of um, representation of women in political positions, in leadership positions, etc., we've done very well. I think we've mostly one of the countries that are doing the best in that area. But when we look at the daily lives of the majority of women, a lot has remained unchanged. Mm. Um, we're still talking about poverty, and we see that there's an increase in poverty. If we look at economic conditions, global economic conditions, the, I mean the casualties of all those economic policies, etc., on local and global level is, is, is women. they actually at the brunt of it since they generally found um, in casual, low-paid um, positions, which is the first to go when there's an economic crisis. We also have the position of, um, I think, gender-based violence, which um, we are really, at this point in time, having a crisis in our country. And so far as gender-based violence is concerned, I think that if you look at um, issues around um, service delivery, women are affected in that area since it actually affects how they run their day-to-day life, etc. So I think there's still a lot of there's still a lot of issues that remain um, problematic and that need to be addressed um, if we are to- if we really want to talk of a society where everybody is equal and that where, where everybody enjoys full rights. Do you work with the Gender Commission very much? I'm just thinking. I mean, one of the gender com- the role, one of the roles of the Gender Commission is to make sure that everybody is bearing gender in mind. And in terms of human rights, I suppose this is exactly what they should be doing. Do you work with them? Um, we haven't worked with the Gender Commission a lot, but it's sort of like um, strange that you're asking this question because next week, Monday to Wednesday, we would actually have a program with the Gender Commission, especially around education, um, hmm. educate. Um, capacity building for their trained education officers so they could be more effective in doing education on grassroots level with women on the ground. So, yeah, we are starting to develop a relationship with the Gender Commission. I think training, then, it sounds like could be quite important. Education officers, I mean, those education officers, to be effective, need to know, uh, they need to know pretty much everything themselves. Is that part of your role? Um, um, how that... 
part of our work, part of our mandate is about the capacity of all organizations that work with women's rights. And the Gender Commission being one of those organizations, surely that is um, um, by working with them with the charging part of our functions. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a whole list of things that you do do, because I know that you're very busy in in terms of... uh, the different programs that you're running. So I'm going to find out a little bit more about those in a minute. If, Lucretia, if you wouldn't mind holding on the line just a moment. Because what we're going to do right now here on Otherwise, we're going to get a little bit of a cricket crossing. It's the fourth ODI, the one-day um, the one-day game, South Africa versus Pakistan. And I think we've got Natalie on the line to tell us all about it. Let's find out what's going on with the cricket. And the hits keep on coming. One-day international cricket. Proudly sponsored by Momentum. David Miller has just been dismissed for a very well played 67 from 77 with seven fours. And he was LBW's side, Ajmal. South Africa did ask for the review, but it was plum LBW. The ball was crashing into his stumps, and side Ajmal gets his first wicket of the day. He's now picked up one for 20 in four overs. South Africa are 154 for five at the moment after a really troubling start. They lost two wickets in the first two balls of the day after winning the toss and choosing to bat first. Hashimamla and Colin Ingram were both dismissed by Mohamed Efran up front, while Graham Smith was bowled by Junaid Khan for 12 from 22 with one Six. Fernand Baden was caught by Cameron Atmel of the bowling of Zaire Khan for one from three. And David Miller's just been dismissed after sharing in a 115-run partnership with A.B. de Villiers for the fifth wicket. A.B. de Villiers is still at the crease. He's on 65 at the moment, but he's really got a lot of work to do to get South Africa into a decent position. Ryan McLaren is on two. He's just come in and just faced a couple of deliveries. South Africa's run rate is four and a half to the over. And they really do have to push on. They've got a batting power play in hand, but you do feel on this pitch that they have to aim to at least get to 250. From this stage, though, that could be quite tough. South Africa at the moment, 157 for five, and they're into the 35th over. Matty Jumanis for SFM Sport. Let the overs begin. One day international cricket. Proudly sponsored by Momentum. And right now you're listening to Otherwise here on SAF and we're talking about, in our first hour, we're talking about uh, human rights as they reflect on women's rights or how they uh, are compatible with women's rights. And if I could just tell you that if you are interested to find out what's going on with the President's speech, President Jacob Zuma is speaking right now about uh, about Human Rights Day. And if you'd like to do a little bit more, you'd like to tune in to Radio 2000 because they're running his speech live. But right now you're listening to Otherwise and we're talking about women's rights on this Human Rights Day. And uh, after the one o'clock news, we're going to be having a little bit more of a regular otherwise. So thanks very much for joining us. And if you'd like to give us a call, you know, you can do that too. It's your absolute right. It's 0892-102010, 0892-102010. But right now we're talking to Lucretia Seafield. She is the sort of women's specialist, if you like, with the Foundation for Human Rights, telling us a little bit about what they do. Lucretia, just picking up on what you do do, uh, I think you've got a number of programs that deal with what? Um, Nancy, we um, support a number of organizations. The Foundation for Human Rights is um, essentially a, the focus is grant making. And, um, and our mandate is to work with civil society organizations and to facilitate them 
uh, and to facilitate programs on the on ground level with communities through civil society organizations. When so that is essentially, essentially the focus. In fact, you just spoke to one of our grantees before me, which is okay. the Women's Legal Center. Okay. okay. Um, so just, in, just just going back to that, when you say grant making, then do you fund some of these organizations? Yeah, we fund some. Oh, okay. we, we fund these organizations. Okay. Uh, important. Yeah. Okay, fine. So the organizations which we basically fund, and I'm going to focus on those ones that uh, sort of like um, do have a mandate to work on women's rights issues, although um, I think one of the requirements is that all, all the projects that we fund do integrate gender work, women's rights work to some extent. Um, the, the sort of major organizations that we work with is the advi advice of the sector, and um, these advice officers are mostly um, located in rural areas um, where they actually the first sort of like the first sort of like interface for most communities with um, legal problems is the, it's where they go we, and um, most of the work of advice officers are actually on giving women advice on issues relating to domestic violence gender-based violence maintenance um, they sort of like a property rights, consequences of the marital regimes and stuff like that. So that is actually the bulk of their work. But then these, these advice officers also do a lot of awareness mm. of events around women's rights in communities and um, Throughout the year, um, they do education programs around those issues, and then a lot of them, all, we also support a lot of them um, to focus on the 16 days of activism against no violence against women. So mm -hmm. that is on that level that, that we work. Then, um, as I said, we also specifically have women's projects that we sponsor, and one of the f programs that we have been doing over the years is support um, organizations to create awareness around violence against women. Um, initially, the focus was around the 16 days, but I think that you're all aware that um, we try, everybody's trying to move away, and we have to move away from the point of departure where we need that focus on the 16 days, so it's 16 days and after projects on violence against women. Um, <clears throat> we've also have an, a number of projects such as Women's Legal, Legal, Legal Center, which you spoke to now, that are specific that, and for this year we looked at the area of um, traditional law and um, religious law and harmful practices in tradition and culture that impacts on the rights of women. And um, I think that the, the sort of the need to focus on that area arose out of all the discussions around the traditional courts bill. Um, also, um, the fact that, I don't know, but I think that um, my opinion of a lot of people is that there was a reinforcement of tradition and, gen and culture in our society, and especially, uh, and that had an impact on women's rights. Um, so these projects will be focusing on those particular areas. Um, let me see. I think those are about... Okay. Yeah. Let, let, let me come back to the traditional laws. When you say that you are looking at those traditional laws that have harmful impacts on women one way or another, mm -hmm. looking at with a view, what, what action is then taken? I think that um, what the, most of those projects pro that we are supporting is actually doing... Um, conducting sort of like research around the impact of tradition on on women and we're looking at specific sort of some of them are looking at specific practices like Ukutwala etc. It's actually engaging women on ground, women that are affected by that, women in communities where they are largely subjected to traditional authorities actually 
interacting with um, women on that level, um, getting their views on how they perceive um, the traditional court structure to operate, um, actually sort of like um, talking to traditional authorities in those areas um, to see the extent to which um, women's rights are affected in those areas and to which extent we could talk about sort of improving the status of women in in, in those circumstances. Been, so, yeah. yeah. So it's a participatory sort of like research, methodologies, education, exactly with the aim of coming up with some reports that could be used to uh, for advocacy and lobbying to actually engage um, policy makers and government, uh, in government on these issues to see what needs to be done. Is there a vacuum in our law? We don't know whether there's a vacuum in our law. Is there a vacuum in our policies? Um, you know, is there a sort of like, do we need stronger political messages to address practices if they're harmful, etc.? Lots of questions there, you know, putting together the research, you know, could we be doing this? How is it impacting? Do we need, etc., etc.? Once you've got all that sort of documentation, all that work and all that research put together, who then takes it forward and, and lobbies with it to put it yeah. into practice? In most instances, it would be the organizations that are conducting the work. Mm-hmm. In some instances, it is shared among a number of organizations that has that whose focus is working on women's rights so that all of them could sort of like that everybody could um, get the benefit of the information on that level and use the benefit in their education programs and in their advocacy and lobbying programs with government. The Foundation for Human Rights is also, um, we are a sector budget support project, so we work closely we implement on behalf of the Department of Justice. So we have that sort of interface with, department, with the Department of Justice to actually um, discuss these issues and to, um, you know, to have some discussions with the, with the department on those issues and, and, and the manner in which they can take it forward. And just lastly, bringing it back to the people, I was interested to hear you talking about the advice offices. So yes. The foundation has got advice offices mainly in the rural areas? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think that right to now my figures yeah. might not be correct. I hope okay. I'm not exaggerating, but I think that we are supporting about 90 advice offices throughout oh. the country in different and they mainly located in rural areas gosh i wonder how many women know about them and know that they can go there is it, are they is there a list of them on your website i you know Nancy, Nancy, our website is under construction okay. we used to have a list of them and i'm sure that we would most probably in the next two weeks actually i think they're so busy with the design of the website uh, um, but they are available and if um, people want to have information about them they can actually call our offices as okay. well and the number is double oh double one yeah three three nine yeah double five yes six zero Okay, well, that's a really useful number to have together with the Women's Legal Centre. Just one last question that you possibly heard me talking earlier to Stacey Lee. We were talking about young girls knowing their rights because sometimes, you know, the fear factor and, and older women, it's, you know, it's, it's more difficult for them and then maybe not passing the message on to their daughters and granddaughters. Mm-hmm. Do you actually go to schools yourself or anybody from the foundation go to schools and tell young girls what their rights are? There are people that have been going to schools and I think that um, recently we've actually decided just to sort of like to improve on that aspect of our work. 
We also use community radio stations and hope at a time which we hope to reach young people with messages on sexual violence, discussions on sexual violence, etc. But I do agree with you that is an area in which I think not only the foundation but all organizations should actually strengthen their work in that area. Um, just on that point, we're also sort of like working with the University of Pretoria and the Moot Court. In fact, one of the the team for the this year, they have an annual Moot Court with schools for grade 10 to 11 learners. And the actual the sort of problem of the the constitutional issue that the, the schools are not dealing with uh, for this year is t- as teenage pregnancy yeah. and um, the you know the right to education, etc. And I think that that is also a vehicle through which a lot of discussions is sort of initiated around violence against women, around sexual, um, young girl sexuality, etc. It's a big, big story, isn't it? And it sounds like there are lots of things that are on your plate right at the moment. But thank you very much. And I'm going to be sure to give out the. I'm going to give out the website because eventually it will get uh, completed. But yeah, more importantly, yeah, you can actually um, give it. Um, yeah, you can actually sort of distribute the website. Okay, well. good. Mm-hmm. Lucretia, thank you very much. Happy Human Rights Day, and thank you for your time. Happy Human Rights to you, too. Thank, thank you, Nancy. Lucretia Seafield, she's Program Manager with the Foundation for Human Rights. Well, if you'd like to know if there's one of those offices, 90-odd offices, if it, one in your area, the number to call is 011-339-5560, 339 and their website is fhr.org.za. We will put that up on our Facebook page too. It's www.fhr.org.za. And our Facebook page is otherwise on SAFM. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy this music. But it helps. In my home, my dad would play discs of Mickey Cat. If you think of how many important early Jewish jazz men there are, there is klezmer in the music. It was the Jewish big bands that were the first ones to incorporate black musicians. You know, in the 1960s, Jews and African Americans stood side by side in the civil rights movement. You don't have to be Jewish, the second and final part. Klezmer Variations, on Sunday afternoon at half past two. There's the big picture, and the small picture, and everything that's green in between, on the Enviro Show, Thursday nights on SAFM between 9 and 10. Otherwise, on SAFM. So do be sure to join us for the Enviro Show tonight where we only have lots of fun, let me tell you. That's between 9 and 10 on Thursday nights going very, very green here on SAFM. But right now we're going very, very womanly because it's a slightly extended otherwise here on SAFM. And continuing with women's rights in mind in terms of their legal rights and getting justice for sexual offences committed against them, come September it's estimated that something like 58 dedicated sexual offences court will be opened, reopened in fact, across the country 
in the hope that it might contribute towards the reduction of the very high rate of sexual offences that happen in this country. Well, to tell us a little bit more, we have on the line from Legal and Tax, she's a female legal advisor, Natasha Kuhn. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm well. Happy Human Rights Day to you. Thank you, and thank you too. And may all your rights be realised. Um, Natasha, the sexual offences courts were closed. They planned, it's planned that they should be reopened. Can you give us a bit yes. of history on them? Okay, well, basically they were closed like more than a decade ago. Um, Why? Program... Why? Why were they closed? Well, I'm not sure. The, the programme just went into demise. Basically, um, maybe the courts were too full. Yeah, maybe... Yeah. Maybe the things, yeah, maybe, sorry, mm. maybe they, um, yeah, like I said, the courts currently have a backlog, so I'm not sure why they went into demise, but yeah, the program went into demise, the courts were taken away by government, which, um, yeah, which are probably very, a very sad situation, so I'm glad that they are bringing it back, because these courts are most definitely welcomed. Yeah, gosh, if they were too full and there was too much of a backlog to close them down, seems like kind of the wrong thing to do. It seems like they should have been doubled. So what do they do? What does a sexual offences court do? Well, basically, these courts are only going to deal with sexual offences. So, which is a good thing because, like I've just mentioned, the courts has a huge backlog. I mean, you have to deal with murder cases, then on top of it, the sexual offences cases, robberies, etc. So to have a court dedicated to um, just specific offences is good. So they will just be dealing with sexual crimes against women, gays, lesbians, etc. So, um, so yes, they, like you mentioned, they will um, they will actually going to start operating in April and hopefully will be fully functional in September. And yes, we just hope that this is going to be good going forward in yeah. order to alleviate these crimes. I say 58 are going to be opened or reopened. Are those the existing ones or is it, you know, I mean, they were closed over a decade ago or are these yes. new ones? Yes, it should be these courts are, um, these are your new courts. It's going to sit in the existing courts, okay? So all these associate courts in the different districts are going to sit in all the existing magistrates' courts as currently they're dealing with criminal matters. You know, the first thing that springs to my mind is that very often um, a crime is multi-layered. It may, there may have been rape, there may have been sexual assault of some sort, but there may also have been murder, there may also have been robbery as part of that crime. How yeah. will one make the distinction there, or will one not? Well, the thing is, um, like I said, well, it, this, this is only going to be dealing with um, sexual offences. So they are going to send magistrates on training. There's about 200 magistrates that are going to go on training to merely deal with sexual offences. So um, when a crime is reported, obviously we need the police assistance regarding that as well, and should, training should be implemented for that reason as well, how to deal with these specific crimes, then take it to court and start the court process. Um, so because court, yeah, the court, as you know, like criminal matters when it goes to court, takes a long time to be heard. Yeah. Sometimes it's like over a period of two years, and I mean, that is like, that's unacceptable. Yeah, Why does yeah. it take so long in order to have the matter resolved? So d- just going back to my question, though, if there's a sort of a, a you know, a, a rape and a robbery all in one crime, would it get heard in both courts or would it just get heard in the sexual offences court? 
Yes, um, I think they will hear it in the, well, if it's like, I mean, it is dealing with sexual offences and sexual offences, yeah, it's not only rape. You yeah. get, I mean, like this recent case for, for Amin, I mean, that was gang rape plus murder. Yeah. So it should be dealt with in the same court. Yeah. The magistrates need to be trained, as I suppose do the attorneys, as I suppose do everybody who's going to be involved, but mm. do the magistrates not get any training uh, on on sexual offences as a matter of course? They should get training. I mean, they need to know how to deal with these offences. Mm. Currently, the legal system, well, basically, I mean, the justice system, there they is a, a problem with the backlog and dockets going missing, etc. And to be to have official training how to deal with these matters is just going to make things better so that the system can be more effective. Do you think that that maybe has been part of the problem is that there hasn't been sufficient training in how to handle these sort of cases and the intricacies thereof? In my opinion, in my opinion, yes, I think that might have been the problem. Mm. There might be not, um, yeah, not, not enough training, not enough people knowing exactly how to deal with these types of cases. And as a legal advisor yourself, Natasha, is it, has it been part of your training? I mean, do you think the average attorney or legal advisor do they have specific training? Is it something that's separated out from other legal matters? Yes, you can never learn too much. I think um, everybody, not only magistrates and police officials dealing with the matters, if you are a legal advisor and attorney, you need to do constant training. Keep up with the current uh, legislation, the current laws, etc., current cases. So, yes, you need to do training all the time in order to just to keep up with, you know, up to check with everything. And one would imagine that if there are going to be sexual offences courts, there'll be a degree of sensitivity, because one thing that we do know is that it can be very, very tough for a woman, especially a young woman, especially a child. So will there be that that sort of additional service? Yes, I think, well, um, we'll just have to see what is going to happen, but I think that is a very good idea, because for women to go through the whole trial process is like reliving the nightmare all over again. So you definitely need extra officials to deal with that part in order on the sensitivity side. So with these um, with these new courts, 58 of them that, that are going to be courts within courts, will there be new people allocated? Will there be uh, exclusive uh, people exclusively uh, allocated to these courts, do you think? Yes, I think so. I think they would have people exclusively allocated to these courts only. I mean, obviously, there's other courts that's going to run and it's going to deal with other criminal matters that will have their own officials dealing with it. So, yes, I think they will be dedicated or allocated staff to deal with only these specific dedicated courts. Do you think it's going to really... I mean, the whole objective of this and and us chatting to you is, is this going to make a dent in the number of uh, cases that come to court, that get reported, that get end in convictions... Do you see that they can really make a difference? I really, really hope they will make a difference. I mean, when um, Justice Minister Radevi said that when we had the courts, the conviction rates went up. Courts were taken away, the conviction rates went down. So hopefully when these courts are fully effective, we can see that the conviction rates are going to go up. So, um, So, yeah, like I said, I mean, we hope that that is going to happen. We're not going to see... Um, straight away that there's going to be a change, but hopefully in the future, definitely the conviction rates 
must go up and they must impose harsher sentences and make it aware to the public that this crime will not be tolerated. So if the conviction rates go up, hopefully that will lead to a reduction in incidences happening in the first place. Just yesterday, I think it was, I was uh, mentioning that, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody said that giving the death sentence for, for rape was not really going to make any difference. And uh, I think there was a life sentence given to a 56-year-old man, for a father and a grandfather himself, for raping a two-year-old. You know, uh, Do you think that the fact of there being more convictions and harsher convictions will be a deterrent? Do you think that will really make a difference? I think it will serve as a deterrent if people realize that um, by the court imposing harsher sentences, then it must send a message that these types of crimes are not going to be tolerated. So hopefully it will act as a deterrent. We really also need to go back to the root of the problem because prevention is better than cure. I mean, mm. one rape is one rape too many. So, yes, the conviction rates might, the rates might go up, but we need to go back to the root of the problem. There is a crime being committed. We need to prevent that. Yes, and the sexual offences courts are, are the wrong end of the problem, really, aren't they? They're going to sort it out and hopefully be a bit of a ter- deterrent. The root of the problem... It's a step, sorry, yeah. it's a step in the right direction, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we need to do more. The root of the problem, in your view, is what? The root of the problem is that there is crimes being committed. So, I mean, we need to go back to it. Okay, so the, the rape is happening. You need to prevent the rape, yes. You take the perpetrator to court and then there's a conviction and he goes to prison or whatever the sentence might be. But the fact of the matter is he has committed a rape. So we need to prevent the crime from actually happening. Yes, his court is going to be dealing with it. But in future we'll see like, the conviction rate going up and if it's going to act as a deterrent. But we need to prevent the actual crime from being committed. Whilst we're on roots, one of the other problems is that very often women don't report or if they yes. do report and they get harassed in any way, they might withdraw their, yes. you know, they might withdraw their, their uh, application. There are all sorts of reasons why women are not coming forward. Do you think yes. that, that having the courts will make any difference from that point of view? We hope so. I mean, we hope that basically they need to know that they will have access to their courts. I mean, one of the human rights is to have access to courts. So mm-hmm. we, are, we need to have campaigns in place that will encourage victims to report their cases in order for, the, for these courts to be effective. So um, I understand that women are scared. And, I mean, also with the, this, the whole trial and everything taking so long and reliving the whole trauma, Etc. So we just need to yeah, encourage them that it's, these courts are going to help them in order to put the perpetrator behind bars. And as a, as a female legal advisor, does that mean that you're advising females or does that mean that you are female yourself? What sort mm-hmm. of experience have you had in, in advising women? Well, the thing is that basically, I mean, women need to know to be aware of their, their rights. And, I mean, such a thing is happening is taking away their rights, and it's a very, very sad situation. So, yes, we need to be sensitive to these women and just encourage them, tell them that you are going to be heard, and, I mean, your rights are taken away from you, so we need to do something in order to prevent that from happening again. And, and what personal experience have you had talking to women? Have you, you know, face-to-face spoken to a woman to give her advice? Well, we deal with... Um, I mean, when, when you say we, what about you personally? 
I am Ipesmi. Yes, um, okay, I haven't had much, honestly, um, experiences with these, with, with, with women being raped, but I mean, if I have to deal with it, I will just um, give her the best advice that I can possibly can. And I mean, yeah, it's a really sad situation, and not, we just need to provide them with the best advice. Yeah, that's, I, I suppose that's the big problem. We go back to the magistrates needing training, the attorneys needing training. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. needs training because it's yes. a super, super sensitive area. And it's not yes. just about getting somebody convicted. It's about that woman having to, maybe this is not the job of the court anyway, but that woman yes. having to live with what she's going to have to live with for the rest of the life of her life, whether or not yes. the perpetrator gets convicted. So it, it's a very sensitive area. Yes, it's very, very sensitive, and yeah, it's unfortunate that these situations happen. Legal and tax, you've taken up this cause. Um, who are you, and what's your role in this? Okay, well, we um, at Legal and Tax provide a variety of services. I mean, we give legal advice on different areas of laws, and we are there to assist our clients. So we have highly professional team of caring and qualified and experienced legal and tax advisors. And we are always ready and available to assist the clients in any matter. I'm assuming that you're not free. No. No, We are not free. We um, provide, um, it's an affordable monthly fee. We provide legal and tax services. Apart from that, we give debt counseling, funeral benefits and trauma assist to our clients at an affordable monthly fee. We tailor to meet the needs of clients across a range of age and income groups. So, yes, if a client calls us in, we'll discuss with the client and see what will meet that client's needs. What proportion of the clients who come to you are women? And what, Any idea? And what proportion are they, are they who are coming to you with issues around gender-based violence or sexual offences? Um, I'm not sure if the, uh, the statistics, um, but yeah, we do have a lot of women calling in. We have quite a variety of members that is actually women, yes. Okay. Countrywide, have you got offices all over the country? We have, um, well, we, our head office is based in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. We have a branch in Durban and Cape Town and Port Elizabeth as well that nearly deals with our sales department. Um, yeah, but our main branch is in Johannesburg, where our legal and tax offices are also situated, where the legal and tax advisors are um, operating one, from. And, and one of the wonderful things about websites is that one is able to get advice and information for free. What sort of advice, what sort of information do you have on your website? Um, clients are welcome to go visit our website. We um, have information there regarding our policies. They can also contact our customer care department. They will be able to tell them the different types of policies we have, um, what the benefits of the policies is. Um, so, yes, they're more than welcome to contact us in order to discuss that. Okay. And your your um, your hotline then would be 0860 is that right? That's correct. That's okay. Correct. Super. Well, thank you very much, uh, Natasha. And uh, I'm going to give out all those details if anybody would like to know a little bit more and roll on the day when we have the Sexual Offences Court doing exactly what they should be doing. Thanks yes. for your time. Thanks Thank you so much, and thanks Cheers. for the opportunity. Natasha Kuhn, she's a female legal advisor with Legal and Tax, and if you'd like to find out more of what they do and hopefully get some advice from their site, it's legalandtax.co.za, legalandtax.co.za. And their hotline, the support line is 0860 
587 and we will put them up on our Facebook page as well. It's uh, lots of information on the uh, on the otherwise SAFM uh, Facebook page. It's one o'clock here on SAFM, which means it's time for the news. And standing by, Carmen Reddy.